Get ready. to the weekly cooldown i am kami jace your host for another episode again paul is out for most he's probably going to be out for the whole month because it is black history month and paul is white so he doesn't get to be here it is <laughs> it is uh happy i'm happy to have you here thank you for listening if you're joining us for the first time this is the show where we get to know the gaming news of the week and we get to know our guest it is episode 145 of the weekly cooldown and it is february 11th Again, it is Black History Month, so instead of the regular news thing that we usually do, we will actually be doing our usual thing that we do every year for Black History Month, which is highlighting and chatting with creators across gaming and media. So, uh, last week we got to hear from Willie and Barad, um, who spoke to us about black spaces, right? How to share those black spaces, um, both with each other, um, and, uh, with our, uh, POC and white counterparts. Um, and now we're going to be talking about sharing a different kind of space and also creating in those spaces, uh, black developers, um, across all spectrums, really. Um, with my guest today, uh, Mo Poplar. Um, do tell me if I'm saying anything <laughs> incorrectly. Mo Poplar, TTRPG game designer, filmmaker, world traveler, and pur- purveyor of smoked meats. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Kami Jace, for having me. I, I love that. Purveyor of smoked meats. Yeah, I am. I'm one of those people. I go deep and hard into things. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm living in Los Angeles, California right now, and stumbled upon a, um, a, a restaurant that Guy Fieri, um, noted um, person who can, you know, discern all foods. Find food somewhere. <laughs> He's, uh-huh. He said this was the number three barbecue spot in America. Number three? <laughs> called, called Bledsoe's. Okay. In LA. And there's a whole lot of dubiousness there. But um, okay. I, I went there uh, one spring um, and they they opened up a nice posh uh, second restaurant. Not the one in the hood in Compton, but uh, in, <laughs> on, on Melrose Boulevard. And, you Excellent. know, there was a long line and a long wait. And by the time uh, I got my, my seat, my blood sugar was low and I was kind of like, mm. F this place. And then um, we ordered the food, which promptly came out, and I put a piece of rib in my mouth, and I was like, "I, I see." Number so, three. Uh, you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to be part of that conversation. <laughs> but it is amazing. <laughs> okay, it's well worth the wait. It sounds like. And um, you know, I end up spending. Uh, you know, it, it was also not cheap, but mm. I end up spending way too much money there. Um, Sure. For the next six to eight months. And my wife was part of some of that, and she saw the credit card receipts for the rest. And so um, for for Christmas, I got an electric smoker. Oh. And so I have been uh, 
uh, Smoky Mo ever since. Smoky Mo. Uh, weed is also legal in California. So I've heard. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I smoke meats. You know. Hey. <laughs> I, I'm still I'm still traumatized from my youth. You know, where I was I was obviously the one suspected. You know, and little, not, uh, not my uh, white peers course. who are now yes. doctors and um, lawyers and such, and uh, probably still on the toke. Uh, at least. that's an amazing story thank you for sharing that i um there's something about first of all about barbecue that like Mm. it has to be really really good for me to want to go there right Mm -hmm. like i can't just say like i want barbecue i'm gonna order from this place i have to know somehow that it's gonna be fantastic before i step into the restaurant and mm-hmm. if, if for any reason i'm wrong then i'm like great never going here again <laughs> I can't, right. like i can't even look at it um so to hear that guy fieri of all people was on point with his well let's let's say maybe yeah I, I, he, was, he, he was he was correct he, in he a way have, it, it, it's definitely the best barbecue in la Okay, I'll say go. that. That's good enough. Uh, all that good other enough. stuff might be greatly exaggerated, and you know, depending <laughs> on where in the country you're from, you may have particular tastes. So, mm-hmm. very good, very good. Um, I need to get an electric smoker now. I think that, like, that sounds like listen, a good idea. that's a that's a rabbit hole. I'm ready to go down with you. <laughs> I spent way too much time obsessing and shot. I'm on my second one. My first one, really. My first good one, water. I woe out. Oh, wow. I'm smoking duck, salmon, pork, beef, chicken, um, anything I can find, I I can smoke. You know, I I draw the line at roadkill and varmints, but, Mm. um, you know, I I see interesting meats and I'm like, ooh, venison. Let's put that in the smoker. Uh, Lamb is amazing. Is it? Oh, yeah. Smoked lamb. Mm Mm-hmm. That's news. That's newsworthy. I, I've never even thought about it that way before. Smoked oh, I've thought out. about it way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Well, Mr. Prevator of Smoke Meats, um, I, I assume you also play some video games from time to time. I play some video games, but, you know, um, I am probably not going to be the cool kid on your podcast for <gasps> a lot of your video game people because I... Um, you know, I, I came up in the uh, side-by-side Street Fighter days, mm. and, you Couch know, co-op. the the graphics got better, and I got nauseous, mm. you know? the gra- and, and people That's fair. people were staying home and, like, playing Madden and, like, getting, like, hours oh, into these God. games, and mm-hmm. um, honestly, I was just, uh, I was dating. <laughs> I was going to clubs and nice sure. restaurants, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I just wasn't about that sitting at home in front of a console life. So now I'm a parent, and my my son just bought a a console, washing cars and uh, doing dishes, oh. and uh, so now I'm I'm, the, the I'm having a, I'm, I'm 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 playing kitty games now. So kitty games like what? <laughs> what do you got? Uh, we got we got Marvel Lego. Advi- oh. the Marvel Lego Heroes. We got that's uh, as much for the parents now. Y- 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 I I find it quite stimulating. My wife, who's, <laughs> who's who's like never to want to pick up a video game, is like, let me try. Um, <laughs> we we get our Mario Kart on, and uh, Mario Odyssey is uh is very busy. 
<laughs> so uh, I, I made him play uh, Sonic the Hedgehog because, well, he should be classically trained. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, you know, we, 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 we do rotations with friends, you know, get the manual cartridges, no downloads, and uh, so we can pass stuff on. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's bonding time now, but I'm not the one to sit up in front of a, a console. But I do like playing games. Don't get me mm-hmm. don't 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 yes. get me twisted. Have you been doing your TTRPGs this week? Uh, I played. Um, so I, I've been playing a lot of TTRPGs. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, I started with D and D a long time ago. Um, I played a game called Champions, and uh, mm. I kind of got out of the hobby, and now I'm back in, and I'm just really amazed by all the technical uh, advancements, the innovations that have happened in gaming. And so, most recently, I played a belonging outside belonging game, which mm. was new to me. And uh, you know, um, they call th- these games fall in the category of story games for some, or indie games. Um, a lot of contention about what an indie game is but mm-hmm. uh this game was called uh jeeves and wooster uh which is okay. based off of a british uh show about these two um poor rich people who huh? find themselves <laughs> getting into trouble and so uh jeeves is the butler wooster is the person who's going um from patron to patron, getting lots of money. He's never worked a day in his life. Mm. And they kind of get into Scooby-Doo like adventures. And, you know, it, it was, it was very interesting. Um, I've seen the show once. Uh, it's, it's a show that sh- it plays in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I, I thought it was a uh, pretty cool, but it does, you know, an interesting thing where, you know, um, you're you're not killing dragons. Mm-hmm. You're not. Um, you're 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 kind of playing to find out, and you may not get your way, but you're not going to die if that makes sense. Sure. So you might lose the game, but it's not it, a life or death. Exactly. So um, oh, yeah, like just really interested in kind of what's on the landscape and what's coming out, and this is by no means new, but it's new to me. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, I had to look up Jeeves and Wooster because I know I heard of it before as a TV show, um, not as a game. But um, it's a Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry show. That's right. That's right. Two very great uh, mm-hmm, <laughs> British mm-hmm. comedians. So um, I have to check that out on my downtime. If you like that dry British humor, it, it's right oh, there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. You know, it's funny because uh, I was talking to the designer of this game, mm-hmm. and I was just like, so this is playing, you know, um, like white privilege monster hunters. He was like, that's exactly <laughs> what this is. I was like, that's perfect. All right. Um, what a great description. I haven't done this before, but uh, let's give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Let's get it going. So speaking of game design, you do a lot of creating it looks like a uh, lot a lot of creating um everything from games to as we said earlier <laughs> films uh i see uh, short films and commercials on your website here um tell us about it what is, what is it that you do um so 
you know, I'm a hobbyist in this space who, Mm -hmm. you know, likes to actually kind of share the content, you know, um, beyond the table. Uh, I played, I played RPGs, uh, or tabletop RPGs because it's funny. Uh, video games have appropriated this language of RPGs. (laughs) Sure. Yes. (laughs) Um, but I played tabletop RPGs for probably about 15 years. And um, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in the Bay Area um, and was totally not aware that it was a hotbed of game design mm-hmm. um, happening. Um, uh, Hero, Hero Games was based in the Bay Area. Uh, right. uh, Call of Cthulhu, Chaosium mm-hmm. Games was based in the Bay Area. Um, and... Um, Cyberpunk was based in the Bay Area, and uh, a lot of people yes. don't know. I just found out in the last couple of years, Cyberpunk was designed by a black guy. Yes, it was. You know, Michael Poundsmith. So there's a certain point where, like, all of this stuff was happening. I was seeing all these people at cons, and, you know, kind of none of it really came on my radar um, until I started trying to design my own games and realized, oh, I got to write all the words for this. You know, and my, <laughs> my teenage self, you know, balked at that. But mm-hmm. um, in uh, in my twenties, one of my buddies, my my game master, he actually bought Hero Games. <laughs> oh, <laughs> as, wow. as one does, and you know, that's when the spark of kind of designing a game really kind of caught fire for me. Um, but I kind of stepped away because you know, if if you weren't gaming with your old group, you know, it was a constant weirdness being a black guy in the space mm-hmm. of going into these traditionally not black spaces, um, kind of proving you belong there and, um, you know, settling in with folks. Right. Um, and I know a lot of people in the Bay Area scene, but you know, you, you game with some folks and then you game with new folks. And it's just, it's just mm-hmm. always that, that tension. Um, yes. I also kind of decided that I didn't like the inf- ephemeral nature of uh, what happened at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you hear a lot of people in the TTRPG space who want to tell you about a character or adventure that happened to them. And, you know, it, it, it's not always the, the funnest thing to listen to. Right, but it's a very powerful experience. Um, yes. I liken it to theater. You know, it's a powerful experience that you had to be there for, and if you weren't there, nobody else will experience the way you did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I, I kind of got frustrated with the fact that these amazing moments, ideas, and emotions would happen at the table, and uh, yeah, I was like, I should write a book. <laughs> and see if I can capture this lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I got, what, 300 pages into a book, that, and that was just a start. And, again, balked at, uh, like, what, what, what will this actually take? And then uh, I stumbled upon a friend who had um, placed in the Nichols Fellowship. And I didn't know what the Nichols Fellowship was. And she explained mm-hmm. to me that uh, – you know, it was a screenwriting contest, the biggest one in America. And I said, oh, well, what's a script? And she explained to me that a script is um, is uh, 
the 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 blueprints to a, a movie. Mm-hmm. And so when I realized the script is only 90 pages, suddenly it it clicked for me. I uh I could write 90 pages. <laughs> so <laughs> sure. um screenwriting must be easy. Yeah. And uh yeah, that that's not that's not an accurate statement. Mm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I started climbing that mountain, and um, right, you know, uh, so it, that was what twenty years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, by ten years in, I had sold a couple scripts, I had done some writing jobs for hire, uh, I moved to Los Angeles, you know, where a lot of that stuff happens from the Bay yep. Area. I actually moved to Tokyo. And then from Tokyo, I moved to Los Angeles. But um, yeah, uh, I began to understand how the film business worked. And, you know, I realized that uh, if if you wanted to write a script, that's fantastic. But, you know, after a while, you have 20 scripts on your shelf and you've sold some. And it's still that ephemeral thing, you know, you give a script yeah. to a person and that person reads it and that person enjoys the story. You got to produce this. Mm-hmm. And so then I started producing these, these films and they started with short stories, you know, commercials are 30 seconds, you know, you could pr- mm-hmm. produce 30 seconds. And, uh, you know, one day the director didn't show up, you know, I found out later he was hungover. And so, uh, I stepped into the directing shoes. <laughs> And, Getting a little you know, higher on the totem pole each and, time. Well, you know, I, I started doing the wrong thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was writing and producing and directing. And, uh, you know, one day uh, uh, the camera person called a couple days ahead. And they said, you know, I have a paying gig, you know, because you, when you do this little indie stuff, often you're, you're feeding people well. And I'm, 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 I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um you know if people get paid work they're they're not going to come to your little indie shoot so sure. i said you know like mother goose i will do it myself and uh all of this culminated with me producing uh, a feature film that was a lot of work i did mm-hmm. most of it myself i had a, a a couple people who were excited to help i got some amazing actors and you know it came out as good as i could do by myself right if i was doing everything and you know i i still produce i still uh write but uh i i, I kind of scratched i climbed that mountain of of you know producing a feature film and uh you know COVID happened and uh i had already kind of started like feeling the itch to get back into game design mm-hmm. so um you know, I called up some of my friends who, you know, were people in the space who would, could give me great advice in this space. And uh, they said, you know, there's a whole lot of new stuff happening that wasn't happening back back when. And, uh, yeah, stumbled upon these new, uh, like, mechanical systems uh, powered mm-hmm. by the apocalypse. I don't know if you heard of that. Oh. Um, can't say that I have. There, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is is essentially a, a minis combat game that mm. allows you to kind of, 
either play theater of the mind or to uh, kind of play a war game of miniatures. Right. And, you know, the, 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 the theme is, you know, going on adventure, killing monsters and finding treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, that never really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have the words for it until recently, but you know, as a black guy, you know, that, that, that's, that's real colonialist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's, that's real. Uh, um, what's, what's the word? Uh, genocidal, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to go kill all these goblins and then take their stuff. And yeah, uh, you know, I, I read a few too many books and, uh, that doesn't, necessarily sit well with me mm-hmm. um and never really did and now you know people are designing games that are about relationships mm-hmm. they're designing games that are about you know survival about making hard yes. choices about um telling stories and finding pathos um and spaces that we don't necessarily um, naturally inhabit. Right. And, uh, I suddenly kind of thought that's pretty awesome. Mm. Um, there's a game called a uh, passion de los Pasiones, And so like this, how I, I look at that is how far gaming has come instead of going to kill dragons and monsters, you're playing part of a, a soap opera. Yes. And you're falling in love and making love to people and you know, trying to get ratings on a show, yeah, and it's, and it's super, but it's still a like a TTRPG, and it's at its core, right? At, at its core, you're still using dice to determine whether you succeed or <laughs> fail, you know, and but it's just doing such a drastically different thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had an idea for a game, um, you know which started off as a movie that I could never afford to make. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, and, you know, this game was about kind of a generic anime world that looked a lot like kind of Tokyo, which, you know, until recently was the largest city in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, super urban landscape sprawl. Uh, it was the largest space-wise and the largest population-wise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's never, it's never unusual to see, you know, a 20 story building right next to a one story shop that looks, you know, 200 years old. Um, and like they put such an emphasis on, uh, public art and public aesthetics, you know, I, I thought, eh, this is kind of one of the perfect urban sprawls. So, um, I set my first game there. And, uh, you know, I like the idea that, well, I don't know if I like the idea, <laughs> but <laughs> it's been my experience that um, the nouveau riche always have problems mm-hmm. because money doesn't buy everything. Right. You know, there's a certain point where you could have all the money in the world. And if people don't like you, you, you don't have access. So um, I remember... Uh, uh, I'm old enough to remember, you know, when Oprah, Oprah Winfrey was important, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and there was a, a, a incident where she was in uh, France, in Paris on the Champs-Élysées. And 
you know, shopping at these places that, you know, people stand outside with fully automatic machine guns because they're not for the normal people. Yep. And, uh, you know, these people didn't let Oprah in. And she assumed it was because she was black. And they were like, no, we know who you are. You're Oprah. You can't come in. <laughs> and, you know, it was just this weird moment where, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up a poor black kid in Oakland, California, and you, you always assume, well, if you get enough money, you could go do the thing. And, well, that right. ain't always true. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this this notion of kind of favors being a, uh, a, a mechanical thing to exchange plays a big role in, in my first game, and it's called Shibuya Nights. So it's like you know, silly anime adventure, you know, Mm -hmm. the, where, you know, treating people well is way more important than, you know, Mm. worrying about if the physics of this actually work out. Right. You know, uh, there there are people who want to be pedants about, well, you know, actually the most athletically fit person can only jump this far and da da da. Mm -hmm. That's not what this role playing game is about. Right. It's not what um, most we're playing games are about. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's funny. They are, but they aren't. And some people get really deep into, mm-hmm. you know, how much you can carry and still do a, uh, a roundhouse kick. Um, <laughs> so I say at the outset, this is kind of anime physics, anime mm-hmm. logic. It's an anime role playing game. Um, and it's based off of a game uh, called uh, uh, Blades in the Dark, mm-hmm. which, you know, as I was describing my game to people, uh, I went to this uh, role-playing game development convention. Mm-hmm. They, they, they said, you know, your game sounds a lot like Blades in the Dark. And they're letting people use the bones of their game to be the bones of other games. And I was like, oh. yeah, all right, well. Um, so, you know, you go study mechanics and you, you figure out, you know, where things actually work and where Mm -hmm. the the levers of things are so that you could do your own thing. And, uh, yeah, that, that's a lot of what's going on. It's kind of like how, um, I think in the early nineties, Halo came out and, uh, all these games came out that were kind of on the Halo engine. Yeah. You know? And so that's kind of what's happening in role-playing games now. Um, People are taking the the SRD of games, and they're putting their own, you know, kit cars on those mm-hmm. engines. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that uplifting in a way. I'm, I'm sorry. I said uplifting in a way. Um. Yeah. It, it's uplifting. It's empowering. You know. It it, it allows. It really de- uh, democratizes how people can express a thing. Yeah. And you know, it's been a great kind of opportunity for you know people of color uh a lot of the lgbt crowd um Mm -hmm. people who just see things a different way to come in and you know say a thing very good shibuya knights uh where can people find your games if they wanted to find you could find my games on ashyfeet.com um you could see some of my films on ashyfeet.com uh you know, the last two years, it's been really hard to get a crew together. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I've i started going out and taking pictures um, because I have all these cameras. And I'm like, you know, this is a muscle. I like to exercise. Right. And, uh, you know, I'd like to do so when it's safe. And, you know, Los Angeles has been 
multiple times the epicenter of America for COVID. So sure, um, I take it very seriously. I don't want to be responsible for uh, having the dumb idea for everybody to get together and get sick. Right. Absolutely. Well, perfect. Have you played role-playing games? Yes. Uh, so actually, uh, Barad, who was on our last episode, is the game master for one of my... Um, sessions of D, my only session of D, actually okay um where i play a half orc named crash he hey. is a habitual liar <laughs> um a warlock and uh, a swindler of of many many things but above all else he's just trying to get by nice, um, <laughs> nice. it's a lot of fun um and i of course uh, say to the listener go play a ttrpg i mean this is more or less the time to do it. TTRPGs have been on the rise, um, especially over recent years thanks to COVID. Um, there's a lot of TTRPG players. There's a lot of black TTRPGs, uh, POC TTRPGs going on out there. Find your group um, and, and get together. Sit around a table or a Discord or a Zoom even if you don't, you know, got any of those and have, have a good time. And, you know, there's so many different flavors now. I mean, it's really... Yeah. It's really a thing. Like I think it's akin to the explosion of quality we have on television. Yeah, um, there's a game called Fiasco where you know you're less playing. Yes, a, I've played Fiasco. Yeah, you're less playing a character. You're just more playing like a, a vile person amongst vile people and a yes. story that's supposed to spin out of control in the worst way. And you know they have a, a, a they have these zombie games where you know it's about community um, I have another game called a uh, hold fast station where you play space miners you mm. know in a community and you gotta stick together because if everybody's not in this everybody's gonna die right you know right. Um, there there's just so many flavors of it and um, you know they come in different formats a lot of which are available online, but uh, there's a brilliant game called For the Queen, mm -hmm. um, where you get a deck of cards that presents you with questions, and the first thing you do is start answering these questions, and as you go through this deck, um, a story emerges, you know, mm. and becomes evident. It's almost magic, you know, how yeah. suddenly you have a character, and you know, it's about kind of all of the questions revolve around you know how does the queen see you mm -hmm. why does the queen treat you poorly why mm. has the train queen kept your family you know well preserved and you know people end up having these you know great feelings about the queen and people end up having these conflicted feelings about the queen and you know the game ends with a provocative question you know your enemies attack do you save your queen? Ooh, interesting. And, and like, you know, this isn't. It, it it's it it felt like a very slight thing when somebody pulled out a deck of cards, and I was just mm -hmm. like, you know, it just created a powerful experience, you know. And I think that's why people play video games. I think that's why people, you know, um, watch entertainment. And you know, when you're you get a level of authorship in that story with tabletop RPGs. 
Yes, it is very true. Um, to speak to that, and then we need to take a quick break. Um, I will say fiasco was one of the best times I've had in my life. <laughs> um, and you can actually find some audio of me in a podcast, an actual play podcast called, uh, Rolling Misadventures. Um, Act one and act two of what they're calling boning misadventures, which was a, um, episode, uh, where we, <laughs> we played, um, a game of fiasco. It was an actual plaything. Um, and we were all playing characters that were part of a Halloween themed porno. <laughs> it's that kind of ridiculousness that you can expect with fiasco. So. Um, and the game so is about what if that premise goes really bad? Yes, it goes completely <laughs> haywire, and it was in, it was too much fun. Um, so to that and check out Fiasco. Also check out me on that episode; it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and also we will be right back. We have much more show to go, so stay tuned. Be right back. Welcome to Sufficiently Black, a show that explores what it means to be comfortable in your blackness despite living in a world obsessed with stereotypes. Host Kia, Amari, and Janae deep dive into black womanhood. Personally, I know that when I walk into the room, I'm seen as black first, yeah. then I'm seen as a woman. The glass ceiling is already like there. It's already above my head. It's, it's already above my head. Like shattering that bitch is real tough for me. Yeah. Identity. I feel beautiful and my mom and like my mom's telling me my immediate family are telling me I'm beautiful but everyone everything else around me is telling me like I'm not beautiful and so it was never I never wanted to be lighter skinned or white I just wanted the fucking privilege <laughs> that came along with being light and culture it doesn't matter how much money you have as a black person you will never in your life you could say I'm not black I'm OJ you could say whatever you want but you still are going to be black. It doesn't matter. Through a critical lens as they navigate their way through adulthood. I want to look back at this year and say, damn, like that was a comfy ass fun year. That's what I want. Like I want this year to be like I'm running around in sweatpants, but have a glittery top in, like figuratively. Join us every other Tuesday for funny. And this is why I'm angry, yo. Because I'm like, damn, I was giving so much energy to these boys who like could not call what we were doing what it was, which is a relationship, dude. Like it's a relationship and I'm giving this all this goodness to you when I could be giving it to myself or someone else. And intellectual conversations. In order for black people to survive, you have to play a game of not being yourself. About what it means to be sufficiently black. Trying to mind my business and be black. That's basically about it. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye. Bye. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. So, it's time to get back into it. And 
we're going to pick up our discussion that we were having in the first half um, with this question, right? Um, so you told us what it's like to develop. You told us even a little bit about what it was like to inhabit those spaces with uh, traditionally white um, developers in the room and not many other black people in the room. So what um, has it been like to develop while black? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And then also... Um, any tips you have for other black developers, people who want to do what you've, you've been doing? Wow. Um, well, it's, 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 you know, it's that complicated thing. You know, you're doing something that's not easy and mm -hmm. then you walk in and people are questioning your credibility from the start. Sure. Um, my, my, my problem is that, you know, today wasn't the first day I started being black. So, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I kind of am used to it and sure. I found a way to navigate, uh, PWI spaces and, um, yeah. So when I decided I wanted to, uh, to get into game design, um, I caught, like I said, I called some friends who happened to be white mm -hmm. folks and mm -hmm. they gave me some Intel. Um, one of my friends happens to run a game design convention. Wow. So just so happens. <laughs> well, they, and they kind of do, they kind of don't. This was in the before times. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I hopped on a plane, I flew out mm -hmm. to, uh, New Jersey and, uh, I went to a game design convention. Um, one of the things I learned in Los Angeles is that, you know, familiarity is a big thing. Mm -hmm. And so um, there are certain places in the world where people will receive you based on who you know. And there are certain places in the world where it seems like people having seen you will appreciate you mm -hmm. more, more as you go. LA is a very kind of, if I've never seen you before, I'll never work with you. Sure. Um, and so going out to the East coast to this convention, I found myself in a space where, you know, I was Darren's friend. And, and when I put things forward like that, people were like, oh, well, you're okay. So, you know, I kind of got a pass in a way that a lot of people might not. But uh, I can definitely also say, kind of without saying that, you know, I was, I was very well received. You know, I think uh, there is a lot of work being done in the RPG space for inclusivity and mm -hmm. I almost found it put offish, if that makes sense. Yep. You know, um, you, you wonder if it's performative. Yes. And, uh, you know, like I grew up in the Bay area, you know, I've traveled around the United States, not, not extensively, but you know, I've been to the South a couple times. I've been to New York a couple times and, the, the, the Bay Area thing is everybody's going to be nice to you if they like you or not. Mm -hmm. And I think I like that. <laughs> you know, yeah. people yeah, yeah, yeah. people say in, in the South, you know where you stand. Well, I don't know if right. I want to know where I stand. <laughs> right, right. So I find in the TTRPG space, um, you know, you really have two different worlds. You mm -hmm. have the 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 800 pound gorilla in the room which is dungeons and dragons you know nice. uh as a designer I'll, I'll talk about business a little bit you know they are 80 percent of the market 
Yes. Okay. So you have that. And in that space, you have a lot of people who've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for decades and they don't want it to change. Right. Then you have this indie space, which is kind of everything but Dungeons and Dragons. But like some of these quote unquote indie companies are, you know, uh, big companies with dozens of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they're all folks who wanted to do something different. And so literally it's, it's, you got this conservative force in Dungeons and Dragons. And then you have like this force that is inherently liberal and inherently progressive Mm -hmm. outside of Dungeons and Dragons. And so kind of, I found that designing in that space, people are very friendly, very, very welcoming, very encouraging. Um, You know, I'm almost jealous of the level of community, the LGBT space has developed and TTRPGs because, you know, there is so much welcome, so much inclusion, you know, and, you know, I've talked to LGBT uh, role players and they, they, they very much say, I have to be careful where I can go, but there are places I can go. Um, mm. I haven't necessarily found that for black gamers. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it's possibly for a lack of looking, you know, uh, but I've seen uh, clubs for and organizations for black girl gamers. Mm-hmm. And I understand the need for that space and the need for that space to stay safe. But black guys... You know, we're, we're I, I, from what I can tell, we're kind of out here in the in the middle of all of it. Sure. And uh, you know, that, I don't say that as a woe is me. I just <laughs> uh, if, if there's a club, I haven't been invited in. <laughs> right. I get that, and I was gonna say, like, I mean, there's so many other intersections where that fits, right? It's it's not always the case that you can find a space if you're a black uh, queer gamer for you know, like. Sure, there's a queer space, but is there an inherently black queer space? Right, right, right. Is there a space where you feel comfortable being a black man and also being a gamer? Right. Um, And and variations on that, right? Exactly. Because, you know, there's people who play sports games exclusively, and then there's other people who are RPGers and so on and so forth. So you're right. It's it's not that, um, you know, it's not like a woe is me thing, but it is like a I wish this space existed in some way. Um, and maybe it's, maybe you, should you start it? <laughs> is it, is it you who should start it? <laughs> yeah, I have all, I have all kind of free time. That's what I should do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so what that means though, that is like from, you know, being a designer is I think one part, you know, creating and being in these creative spaces. And the other part is kind of this, this market part, and so the other side of that is that um, there are there's a lot of assumptions when you come to the table as a black designer that people are expecting you to come with a game that is only for black people. Mm-hmm. And so, kind of, I've I've seen on multiple occasions, you know, people kind of stiffen up and relax when they realize, oh, this game's actually fun. And it's not about me being white and it's not about guilt and, you know, I can actually engage in it. 
And it's like, right. okay, sure. Um, I don't, I've, I've, I've gotten used to it. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be that way. Often it is kind of moving right along. If that makes sense. Right. Um, there are people who are designing games that are black, just, just de- definitively black. And I see this weird thing happen where a lot of people buy those games but I often wonder if people are playing those games. Hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting space to be in, to try to, um, be a creative person designing a thing. And you walk in the room and people have already kind of made up their mind. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I often joke, uh, the super soaker is not a black toy, <laughs> but it was designed by a black man. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's and- hard to create with the, the people you want to create for in mind, so to speak. Um, and, and I think that's something we kind of captured in our last episode as well, right? These, the spaces we create, the games we create, everything. Um, we try to do with certain communities in mind, but then others will kind of co-opt or take on those, um, the, those spaces or kind of play our games. And the message is different from what we decided we wanted it to be. Right. Um, the feeling is different. And sometimes it's like, you know, not so bad, but other times, it's again something you you said um we have to kind of cope with it and it's not always a good feeling so yeah you know and so it really it 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 begs the question and my my problem is you know i found myself writing scripts well enough that i was able to get um meetings in hollywood studios you know, mm-hmm. so I was able to kind of get into onto the Universal lot, get into the Warner Brother lot, get into the Fox lot and, you know, go see these production heads. And, you know, you walk in the room, they, they read your stuff. For whatever reason, they decided to have you in. You walk in the room and you just see them turn off. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, they say, "Well, we're not doing anything urban, you know." And it, you know, well, there's nothing urban about this. So, <laughs> so right. kind of when I came out with Shibuya Nights, it was very much a a broad anime kind of game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a little kid, so um, I I decided my part of the market was going to be kind of uh, family oriented role playing game. You know, you could absolutely. Uh, take it and you know have your uh, your 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 porn shoot gone gone wrong adventure <laughs> mm-hmm. you know at your table, but you know it's designed that if you gave this to a twelve year old, you wouldn't feel guilty or have to explain anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Right. <laughs> and you know I did that partially because well I have a twelve year old and partially because you know. Uh, developing a product, you're like, okay, well, here's a space in the market that that is that that is not full, you know. Yeah. Uh, I could do so. I could try to be edge lordy. Um, a lot of people are doing that. Um, 
But of course, a lot of people see the game and they're like, oh, well, everybody on the cover is not black. Oh, wow, this actually sounds fun. You know, mm-hmm. I hand the people the book and um, <laughs> it's funny because uh, the, 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 the unfortunate response is they people flip through it and they're like, this looks like an actual game. Right. <laughs> yes. Something they should have picked up on. <laughs> well, and so, you know, it, I don't, I have a hard time saying that's racist, mm-hmm. but you know, because I see a lot of games that don't look professionally designed, don't mm-hmm. look professionally laid out. They don't have good art. You know, and people are like, you should give me 30 bucks for this. And I'm like, there's nothing compelling about this game. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there is the fact that there's a lot of dross in the market. I think there's Mm -hmm. also the fact that me handing you a book, you know, before you even see the cover, there's a question of whether or not this is a thing. So, you know, um, I could have designed a a black game you know i have a black game it's called hell no and (laughs) you know it's about kind of you know saving your family member your loved one from monsters before you know the police get involved Mm -hmm. and you know i ran this race neutral for a couple people who were not black and one lady was very upset (laughs) <laughs> because she said I duped her into playing a black character. I was like, you said your character wasn't black. Your character's not black. Mm. And she's like, well, but my character's in is 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 in a black experience. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, what does that it's even mean? Very revealing of you to say that. What does that even mean? <laughs> right. You know? And kind of that was with the serial numbers like all shaved off, you know, for this mm-hmm. audience. Mostly to see, hey, does the game even work? You know, is the game fun? And, you know, you can't, I mean, I, I look at films like Get Out, and I'm like, that's mm-hmm. a, a, a wonderfully effective movie, you know? And it was effective for whoever saw it. Yep. It wasn't a, a, a movie that only black people wanted to see, <laughs> you <Yep>. know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, I feel like when you're, when you're designing a game, it's got to be effective for everybody. You know, and maybe black people come to the table and they bring, you know, a little background, a little insight in. But, you know, I'm I'm an older guy designing games. So I'm also aware that, you know, um, the black that I am is not the mm-hmm. black that my grandmother was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not the black that my kid's going to be. Sure. You know, like totally different blacks. I, I, I've, 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 I've cut sugar for fun. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I ain't never had to pick no cotton, you know. Um, right. I've never gone to the back door of any place, you know. They're, like, there's just – it's a whole different thing, you know. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm real uppity compared to people in my grandmother's generation. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I have this internal uh, compass to design something of quality. There's also yep. the fact that, you know, if I say I'm kickstarting a blackity black, black, black thing, you know, there are a lot of people who will support it to support something black, but who will never play the game. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, all right, so what do I do if I want to design a game that I actually want played? Yeah. So um, 
that in a nutshell is what it is to be a black game designer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would I would um add like a, a black creators in general. I'm sure a lot of people feel this pain, right? And and I think yeah. a lot of us have said it over the years. Don't just show out for me to be like, you know, the performative ally, right? Like if you buy the product, play the product. Right. And then if you, for some reason, have some feedback or some criticisms even, like, let me know, right? Yeah. I like that. That's good allyship, right? Engaging with your uh, black friends, right? Not just, oh, I'm going to buy the thing and then like leave it on a shelf. Like, no, like engage with us. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the same exact kind of interactions that you give your white friends. So, you know, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I never, I guess I never really thought about that. Right. I even making the podcast, like asking people to rate and review, that's fine. <laughs> but like what I'm really looking for and what I've always been looking for is the engagement. I want you to listen to the show. Talk to me about it. Let's talk about literally everything I said. Um, did I pronounce the word the incorrectly? Let's talk about that. Right. right like right. <laughs> everything. Um, that's a really like, good point i think to like leave that and then very briefly what i want to know is um even more like elaborate just a little bit more what can our white and poc allies do to help us in these developer spaces yeah oh man you're you're, you're i don't know if i'm the right person to ask this because <laughs> i i'm looking for you know I either want you to be polite and keep it moving mm -hmm. or I'm looking for a genuine engagement. Right. And there's a certain point where um, I'm okay with people being polite and keeping it moving. Uh, I am uh, like, your, like yourself. I'm looking for that genuine engagement. And, you know, like there's just this notion that uh, back, back to Dungeons and Dragons, I can identify with an elf I can identify with a dwarf, but black people, they're different, you know? <laughs> and it's, 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 it's really, it's, it's kind of, you know, sad and a shame and all this other good stuff. Um, I, I, I have a hard time. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not out here, you know, waving the, you should do this flag, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's cliche to say, just treat people like normal people, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but some days that just sound, seems to be too hard. Right. Well, I'm sorry if I that wasn't that. satisfying. No, I, <laughs> I truly think that's an answer in itself, right? Like it is easy to say it is cliche it is easy to say yeah we want you to treat us like everyone else but it's also like well duh <laughs> um it should be obvious but it it you know we have to ask for just a little bit more to get the point across right um very good though i appreciate the candor um so right now we're going to wrap this all up and so to do so we usually ask that you give our listeners a recommendation, right? So are there any TTRPGs 
that we should be on the lookout for. Oh, I I, I gotta I gotta look up this guy's name. My favorite game lately is uh, Haunted West um, by Chris Spivey, and uh, it is you know a western game mm-hmm. where you are worried about ghost monsters. And um, do you are you familiar with the term uh, mythos? Yes. Okay. And and you know Cthulhu, Lovecraftian horror. Yeah. Out in the in the Wild West, and you know it presents the West a little closer to what it was. You know, um, so you a lot of people think about cow, cowboy movies, and they think about these people sleeping out under the stars, and they don't think about why they're not sleeping in town. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, most that. of these cowboys were black people yeah. and they were displaced and they yep. had left home and mm-hmm. they weren't invited into town because they were black or because they were single men mm-hmm. and nobody wanted black people around and nobody wanted single men around when you have wives and daughters, yep. you know, and they had hard lives just being in between and um ironically they were displaced by the free land grants given to the white people across the the west Mm -hmm. and so like they had this job to go place to place and take cattle or go place to place and get cattle or do work for hire or whatever but you know that that the room to do that was constantly diminished because people were able to get land, but they weren't. So Chris Bybee, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he 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 frames the West in this way. Uh, you can play black people, you can play Mexicans, you can play uh, Native Americans, you can play white people. Um, a lot of it is what is going on with the law versus. What's going on with those monsters and out the, those their hills? Mm. And um, you know, it's a a fantastic horror landscape that uh, honestly I've been wanting to play in. And you know, it's just by getting enough people together to do the thing. Yeah. Um, I, did you see Lovecraft Country? Yep, it's very Lovecraft Country in the Wild West. Very good. You know what I mean? That. Yes. You know. Um, I mean, Lovecraft Country had a couple of agendas that Haunted West can have, but don't have to have, if that makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to play the game that, well, the white people are scarier than the monsters. But, but, you know, you should play the game that, like, people are afraid to go out there because there's really a danger, you know. And, you know, those people don't trust you, but you're all probably safer together. Right. And so do you get through past that trust or do you end up fighting the people running from the monsters? You know, fantastic game. Very cool. Check out Haunted West by Chris. Byron. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you if you get on my if you follow me on Twitter, I'm Ashy Feet One. You know, I'm always talking about cool games. Uh, you go on my website ashyfeet.com i'm always making cool games i'm trying mm-hmm. to crack the nut right now of uh designing a board game and Ooh. the design part is easy 
the publishing part is a little harder (laughs) because, um, you know, you have to do that dance with a manufacturer in China. And I have a buddy who I've been kind of watching him and, you know, he just got, you know, three, uh, what do you get? 500 books, uh, 500 boxes of game of card games. And all of them were, um, had manufacturer errors, you know, and sure. You know, he didn't kickstart it, so it was his own money, mm-hmm. for better or for worse, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, wow. like, he's fighting with Alibaba, and I'm like, oh, that's just scary. Yeah. So, well, here's hoping you have to go through less of that. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to get wisdom off of his back. <laughs> Where? How did you fail? And go into full detail. Exactly. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um, all right. And you let us know where we could find you on the internet one more time. Uh, ashyfeet.com is my website. Um, ashyfeet1 is my Twitter handle. And that that's pretty much where I am. Perfect. Perfect. Well, all right. As always, you can find me at Gaming on Twitter, and you can find the Weekly Cooldown as well on Twitter at WKCooldown. Be sure to visit the Weekly Cooldown Facebook page. Visit WKCooldown.com for more news and other episodes. Be sure to leave a review or comment on Apple Podcasts, the ask that I do every episode, and you still haven't done it. Why? You're listening to this show. Just go do it. Be sure to check out the links in the description, including, of course, our Humble Bundle for this week. And remember, you can support your favorite charities and also support this show. Our logo and art is done by Corgian of Doghouse Esports. Follow him at Doghouse Corgian on Twitter. Our intro music is done by Riki. You can find Riki on Twitter at dog underscore noise. That's all for the weekly cooldown. I'm Kami Jace. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm OP. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.